When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met, fellow adventurers. We return to the Seven Goblins series, where we find ourselves in Colinia. The village of Colinia is little more than a cluster of small wooden buildings in the middle of a sizable forest clearing. The villagers are mostly woodcutters, who cut timber that is then hauled to the markets in Talinus and Gualoc. An inn and a Wamshackle tavern are the two largest buildings in the entire village. A one-legged peddler has his square spread out on the table outside the inn. Now, there's some. There's one very, very important item to get here. You should, for various reasons, you should get it as soon as possible. It's this rusty long sword. Yes, you might look at it and see, oh, may weighting minus two? That's as bad as a weapon can get. That's not worth buying. This long sword has seen better days. Its blade is extremely rusted. You can barely make out the letter M etched into the base of the blade. This weapon is of poor quality. Anyway, I'm not going to explain why. Or how. But. You want to buy it. You just do. There's a bunch of other silly items here. Which. So large don't seem to do anything. There's a large black cat. A bright clean bracket. A purple feather. Which is. Well. Large and also very, very purple. An iron clover leaf and a set of stone dice. What they do, nobody knows yet. Anyway, now I just happen to know that now I can use this cloudy blue gemstone. Oh, I need to get to a safe location. Okay, I'm going to pop over to Hawklaw. Then use this cloudy blue gem cell. A cloudy blue gem cell flares brilliantly for a few seconds before silently shattering into a thousand tiny fragments. You are surprised to see the blade of your rusty longsword is now faintly glowing blue. A rush of air surges past you and an instant you hear a voice say, Merzek. Ooh, what's, who is Merzek? Merzek. Merzek is a legendary lightning warrior whose magical sword is said to have is said to have had the ability to slay demons. Merzek was the first leader of the Brotherhood of Titian Knights. It was the Order of the Protector. The legend of Merzek tells of three magical gems that gave his sword unearthly power. Before he died, Merzak is said to have removed the gems from his sword to ensure its power could never be used for evil. Although he shattered the 
gems across the realm. He supposedly left clues to their secret locations behind. The most famous of these clues is the well-known rhyme of Mazak. Less three blades to sparkle bright, a rusty blade to be. Seek the three beyond all sights, set seeping fear at three. A trial, a path of honour, a test of faith, a trial looms for thee. Go forth a hero, twice reborn, set seeping spirit three, spirit three, go back. Yeah, okay, it looks... Glowing sword glowing blightly. Okay, it's now got a melee rating of plus eight. His longsword is blinking his day, the blade is extremely rusted. Belly out of the maces, Merzak. And it's into base of the blade. The blade is going light blue. The weapon is of magical quality. Okay. I that's that's as much as I can do that right for now. As I do it now, let's watch rush back to Colinia. There's there's a lot more stuff we've gotta to do to finish off that blade. Because you see there's that whole poem. It wasn't just three gems. There's a trial of honour, a trust of faith, and being a hero thrice reborn, however that works. I don't even think I've been reborn, been reborn once. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of stuff you've got to do. Now, I'm going to put this sword as non-droppable. Yeah, that's just the link you can click. Click on any item, you want to be absolutely sure you don't sell it, or drop it, or, or otherwise get rid of it. Although it doesn't protect you against Brinevere's shop. So just, just uh, be super cautious around there. Alright, adventures for this location in Colonia. Internet's gone and busted, so I'm gonna have to. Okay, we're I'm back. I'm back. Back in Cardinia. Ventures for this location. Seven Goblins, Part Four. An unlikely captive. The attack on a wagon caravan south of Cardinia draws you into a perilous attempt. To rescue a most unlikely captive. Start this adventure indeed I do. For the past two hours you've moved swiftly and steadily to the east. Following the trail left by the goblins. And those who you presume to be their prisoners. The track put passes in and out of the forest. And over the backs of small bands of hills. That serve to break up the evergreen belts that lie scattered across the region. With the midday sun beating down relentlessly, you pause on the outskirts of a wide clearing to wipe the sweat from your brow and catch your breath. The goblins are moving fast, pushing deeper into the wilds with every step. You pray that you will be able to overtake them in time. It was mid-morning when you passed through Colonia, learned about the attack on the wagon caravan. Several of the citizens, including one of the elders, led you to the quiet 
quiet forest road south of the village, where stood four empty wagons, devoid of their former occupants and the horses that drew them. At first it was suspected that the small caravan had fallen prey to hiremen, not an uncommon occurrence in the outlying areas of the kingdom, as we are familiar with, having encountered them before, but of course gave them a very bad time. However, the discovery of the bone hilt of a knife on the ground near one of the wagons confirmed your initial suspicions. It was goblins who raided the wagons, and goblins who presumably made off with the cargo, the passengers, and the horses! You you summarised that it was a large group of goblins that came upon the cavern. Perhaps thirty or more of the vile creatures. Well, these ones are vile, anyway. A group of seven young men from the village, armed with a crude assortment of axes and cudgels, preparing to set off in search of the bandits. When your announcement it was goblins, and a large number of them, brought about the swiftest deterioration of their resolve. Seeing no further alternative, and with no desire to abandon the missing travellers to their gruesome fates at the hands of their savage captors, which you can get hints of at the best alternative is in caves of Westworld and and or could lead all the way to all the way to seven goblins one or three otherwise not good yes they tend not to they don't goblins tend not to kidnap people so they can so they can see their all goblin production of Hamlet <laughs> And not only because Shakespeare presumably doesn't exist in the world of Swift. They presumably have their own equally talented bard. So we probably have equally talented bards who just were, were completely forgotten. Or had their works attributed to another or various things. You've probably told the villagers that you were set off in pursuit of the goblins. The elder, a man named Luminor, Luminor told, told you that word only be sent to the outpost at Jackwood, and it was hoped it was hoped that you would arrive before the day was out. Realize only too well, however, that any delay might easily be the difference between life and death for those now presumably in the clutches of their cruel goblin captors. With that, you boldly set off to the east plunging into the thick forest at the edge of the Hart Hills, moving swiftly in pursuit of what you could only summarise was a sizeable goblin band. Your thoughts took return to the present, and despite the growing weariness in your limbs, which a brief respite seems to have little effect on, you decide to press on at once. With the relentless midday sun high overhead, you resume your trek along the trail, left in the wake of the passing goblins and their human captives, as you cross the clearing and once again, once again plunge into the forest, you find yourself hoping that the goblins will either stop to west or reach some secluded loca- destination in the wilds. You're well aware of the fact that goblins can, quite, can travel great distances for days on end without west, if that grim reality proves, well in, proves, in, proves in this case. You realise it's unlikely you will ever, it's likely you will never catch them. I should have brought a horse.
you've gone less than a quarter of a mile from, from the wide clearing when you happen upon a curious find among these discernible goblin trout. A patch of scuffed up ground and several dried spatters of blood on a nearby vomiting leads you to believe that a struggle took place here. Fifteen yards ahead, however, your eyes are drawn to the base of a large oak. A broad, charred spot on the trunk of the old oak suggests it was recently struck by some sort of fiery blast. Certain that one or more of the goblins' captors must have made an escape at the very spot. They decided to unable to arrive at a plausible explanation for the scorched bark of the oak. They can use Arcania to, just to investigate that. For XP to Arcania, a close examination of the mark of the tree confirms your initial suspicions. The charred spark spot is the result of a blast of magical fire, and you're all but certain the fire involved was magical. In nature. Yeah. You press on, following the trail of goblin sign, so it cuts a straight path through the wood, heading almost due east. The forest through which you're travelling gradually, gradually gives way to a broad expanse of boulder strewn stoves and thick belts of ancient hardwoods. The evidence of the goblin's passing becomes sparse and difficult to detect. You're nearly ready to resign yourself to the notion that you might never be able to find the goblins or their unfortunate captives until you pass over the back of the first sizable hill and your eyes set on a welcome sight in the forest below. It is a sight that causes you to immediately forget about abandoning your search. Spread out in the thick of a belt of ancient hardwoods at the front of the rocky slope on which you're perched are the crumbling ruins of what must have been a massive stone structure. Towards the middle of the ruins, huddled on the ground next to the shattered remains of an enormous mossy pillar, are twelve humans. You are certain these are the captives taken from the small caravan. You are elated to see that they are still alive. The hands and feet of the five women and seven men are bound with rope. Although they are grouped together in a tight bunch, they don't appear to be speaking with one another. Not far from where they sit, your eyes drift into the unpleasant sight of three mountain goblins, who appear to be tasks with guarding the prisoners. The goblins, each wearing a sword, are talking amongst themselves and seem to pay little mind to their bound cut, bound charges. Perhaps a dozen yards from the prisoners and their guards are located, you spot a wide, dark opening in the earth. Now and again, one or more goblins steps steps out of the opening and moves over to speak with the trio of guards before returning to the hole. The goblins appear to be descending the steps steps when they disappear into the opening. To little doubt, they're climbing down into the subterranean portion of the ancient ruined structure. The relation having caught up with the goblins and the cats is tempered by the realization. That effecting the escape of the latter is certain to be no simple task. With that in mind, decide to move in for a closer look. Please continue. Exercising extreme caution, you'll make your way down the hillside and into the ruins. The ancient site is almost completely overgrown, with only a small patch near its centre devoid of numerous trees that have sprung up throughout the world over the centuries. You take a position behind two toppled stone columns, and offers you a clear view of the three goblins and their bound captives. 
From this vantage point, you are able to clearly see all the prisoners. And as your eyes fall upon a middle-aged woman seated near the middle of the group, your heart skips a beat as you behold the bright red leather circlet that adorns her head. The red circlet is the well-known and unmistakable mark of Irwa, a sorceress and adventurer of great renown, a high-standing member of the Grey Circle, and someone you never thought you would have to rescue from the clutches of goblins. You find yourself wondering how it is that someone of Erla's considerable skill and stalwart reputation came to find herself in such a precarious and vulnerable position. You suddenly realise there may be, be a more sinister force at work here than you have thus star suspected. Anger rose up within you as you make note of the marks and wounds that mar many of the captives, a testament to the ill-treatment these people have obviously suffered at the hands of their goblin captors. Apart from an area who seems alert, with a grin but determined look on her face, the rest of her captives appear broken, as if they have forcefully accepted their fate, however brutal it will, will likely prove to be. As at once, if you can somehow free Elia, she may be able to help you free the others. Otherwise, why she has yet been able to use her profound magic abilities to such an end is something you find both puzzling and troubling. As you contemplate your next course of action, you know that your first order piece will be somehow dealing with three goblins standing guards. Lots of options here. Archery, illusion, thievery, woodmanship, Elementalism, gating, or shadow magic. Now, the only ones I can use are archery, thievery, and woodmanship. Now, archery, I think that'll just be shooting them. Thievery, that'll be sneak up on them. But I'm not quite sure what woodmanship will be. Cupping your hands to your mouth, you expertly imitate the call of a tackerback. The eerie, unmistakable sound immediately produces the desired result. Atic speed and woodmanship. And the three goblins spring to their feet and briefly scour the forest for any sign of the fearsome predator before turning and washing down into the dark opening in the earth, the centre of the ruins, with no time to waste. You wash over to free the captives. You, you work quickly and sever the rope that binds the hands and feet of the woman you have identified as Ulwa. She staggers to her feet and places her hand on your shoulder to steady herself. Before you can instruct her to help you free the others, dresses you by name, sits about undoing the bonds of her fellow captives. Well met, Soup, she says. I can't believe to begin to understand the good fortune that resulted in your timely arrival, but I'm not about to question it. We've got to move swiftly. Not likely to be left alone up here for, for, for long. For a matter of a couple of minutes, the, other of, the eleven other captives have been freed. Each of them showers you with plays and thanks as you instruct them to set off for Clonio at once, and with all possible haste. Aloha also thanks you and tells you that she's long heard tales of adventures. She hopes very much one day she hopes very much to meet the adventures whose deeds she both marvels at and admires. Well, preferably, it would have been under less perilous circumstances. He tells the sources that you too are aware of who she is, and seems both flattered and taken aback by your omission. You also ask why she was not, why it wasn't able to employ her renowned skills in magic to effect an escape from her captors. 
Hiller tells you that when the wagons were attacked by a goblin war party south of Colina, she and several others made a valiant stand, but she quickly found themselves falling prey to the powerful magic of a fierce shaman. He wielded a string of bones, she says, because a shaman. Small animal skulls and bones, it seems. Rattled them, and at once I felt myself doubled over in pain, and with no reserve remaining with which to channel the magic were taken captive very swiftly. Now I told you that she has still not yet recovered any of her reserve. She hopes the black magic of the goblin shaman has not had a permanent effect on her, though at least two master mages sent to ruin after encountering similar cursed magic. I would prefer not to find myself in their company. She shows you that her wing of fire, which she shows you still, so Donna's left hand had just enough power remaining for a single blast of fire. Used an attempt to kill the shaman, and she and the others were led into the forest. I missed my mark, and paid dearly for the attempt, she says, turning to show you a broad mark extending above her left ear and down the edge of her face. I've had worse, but I don't think I'll forget this one any time soon. As Elder prepares to set off with the earth to Kalinia, you turn your gaze towards the dark opening in the earth. You've seen numerous goblins move in and out of the shadowy hole since you've arrived here. An ancient Javadri tomb, she says, noting you're interested in the opening. I've explored many of them myself. Surely you're not thinking of going in there. It's far too dangerous. Oh dear, did you just say it's too dangerous? I mean, if there's one phrase that can make me want to go somewhere, it's sort of say, it's too dangerous. You tell her that you have no intention of leaving behind any goblins who could launch another wave in the area, and she responds with something that sends your heart waking and hardens your resolve. There was another with them, she says, as with recalling a recent but traumatic, traumatic moment. He was a man, amazed by all weather, but a more wicked face and a not darker heart I have not encountered in many years. It is obvious that he was a practitioner of the blacker arts, and that we, the captors of these goblins, were somehow to be the means to his evil ends. I won't soon forget that wig tunic or his wumbling voice. Oh no, it's him again. You immediately ask Yola about the man they wear tunic, and her full description of, description of him retur- confirms your worst suspicions. The bald-headed man with the deep voice describes you can be none other than the necromancer you've encountered twice before. Eoria tells you that necromancer arrived only a short while ago and briefly looked over all the prisoners before descending into the ruins of the ancient tomb with several of the goblins. I was filled with dread as he stood over me, she says. There were a few things that hoped to evoke what fear from me, and yet it was nothing that he either said or did. It was merely his presence. There's more to him than I'm sure I might care to guess. As Orla prepares to lead the captives away from the woods, tell her you're going to the tomb in search of the necromancer, and with the hope of putting an end to this menace once and for all. You're brave and able, she says. Uh, yes, as the accounts I've heard suggest, as I can plainly see. But do not be foolhardy. You must take care of your father, of course. I really wish you'd return, Wills. There's little to be gained by following him down into that place. You thank the sorceress for her concern, and promise her that you will be cautious. But you have no intent 
intention of not making an honest effort to, alas, bring him to justice. Explained today in recounting it before, in circumstances eerily similar to these. You go with my prayer, she says in response, meeting you in the shoulder cross. I wait for you in the village. You watch as Irula and the others depart, embarking on the arduous trek that will take them back to the heart, edge of the heart hills and to Colinia. Although you wish that you were returning to Colonia with Irula and the others, you have no desire to leave the necromancer you've come to know as Wedcoat to his own devices here in these secluded ruins. Fully aware of the danger you're likely to be stepping into, you move over and examine the dark opening in the earth. A set of broad stone steps descends through a curtain of doom and meets up with the passage nearly 20 feet below the surface. After watching the passage below for several minutes and seeing no sign of movement, you take that one last look around at the ancient room before cautiously climbing down the stairs. The boss of the steps, a broad passage, extends due east moving into the ancient Ardivari tomb, elaborate engravings that adorn the large blocks that make up the walls and ceiling of the coral depict what appear to be many different burial ceremonies. The air is still damp and still here, and none other than the sound of your own breath and soft foot. And other than the sound of your, of your own breath and, and soft footfalls, nothing stirs in the shadows that lie flick, thick in the underground lair However, having witnessed numerous goblins descend the very steps you've just climbed brings you to the realisation that danger can't be lurking far off in the musty gloom. With your every sense alert for the first sign of danger, you proceed slowly along the wide corridor and soon arrive at a broad junction. Here, the passageway splits in three directions. It also continues to the east, but the two passages also, also leave the junction. Heading northeast and southeast, respectively. Alright, now I could use woodmanship or feathery. I'm going to use woodmanship. I could also use divination, but if I had the skills, but I don't. You carefully examine the door of the entrance to each of the passages and discover the central passage, the one bearing east. Leading east bears the most evidence of recent foot traffic. Right. Now, I've just checked the wiki, and it seems that if I take the southeast passage, I find something that's quite rewarding. Yes, anyway, so I'll go there. The southeast passage begins as a narrow corridor and gradually widens into a statue-lined hall. Several large carvings, each depicting massive beings, formed out of blocks of stone, rise up, rise up the wall between some of the statues. You've taken less than 30 steps along the corridor when a sudden movement on the wall to your right catches your eye and freezes you in your tracks. You turn and stare wide-eyed at one of the large carvings as it slowly steps away from the wall. Retreat several yards along the passage as a towering being of stone blocks lumbers into the middle of the corridor and turns to face you. Then, slowly and silently, the stone Benimoff turns Starts starts along the hall towards you. Your mo- your movement along this this forbidden passage has awakened one of the living idols that guards this ancient tomb. I'm going to hold my ground and face the living idol. 
you bravely hold your ground as a towering being of stone moves away, moves in your direction along the passage. As a living idol draws within a few yards of you, it suddenly swipes out its massive fist, forcing you to hastily retreat to avoid its savage blow. As you return to a defensive stance, the stone giant suddenly strikes the wall of its fist. A cloud of dust rains upon you as the passage shakes in the wake of the blow. The living idol again smashes its fist into the wall, and this time produces a far deadlier effect. A groan from above draws your attention, and you snap your head at dust in time to see one of the massive blocks of stone that form the passage ceiling plummeting down on top of you. You have only a split second to act. I must attempt to dodge the falling slab of stone. You attempt to dodge the falling slab of stone. I got okay, pick a number, bonus thirty. Bonus thirty, twenty for agility, ten for a lot, gotta get fifty or more. Success! You die forward. Die forward, dodging the falling slab by mere inches. The brazy piece of stone slams into the floor behind you and shatters into several fragments. Wasting no time, you spring to your feet and turn to face a living idol, now lumbering towards you. The passage shakes with every step taken as the towering living idol, the fit by the towering, the, the fearsome stone being stomps forward, striking you with his mighty fists. I fight a living stone idol. But that living bit will not be accurate for very long. Oh, it, it's just a, it did a lot of damage to me just now. The massive idol swipes at you with its stone fists. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 29 damage. Okay, I'm going to keep 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 fighting, keep fighting. Another devastating blow. I'm healing in combat. Because yeah, you can do that. More, a bit more healing, slash, stone fist, and it is finally slain. 137 experience. Most of it going to restoration. With a loud groan, the massive idol collapses into a pile of rubble at your feet. A thick cloud of dust rise up, rises up from the heaped remains of the fearsome stone being. Suddenly, something shimmers in the pile of rubble. You step back from the remains of the idol, and a ghastly wail rises into the air and echoes eerily along the passage. Without warning, a shimmering, monstrous apparition rises out of the heap of shattered stone and stretches wide a fang-filled maw. Roar. Hideous apparition wails loudly as it surges forward and passes straight through you, spin around, half expecting to have to do battle with the gruesome spirit. But the apparition is faded. You feel somehow different. We've got 512 experience to all skills and powers. And that's very nice. After taking a few moments to check over your equipment and wipe the sweat and grime from your brow, you once again resume your cautious trek along the corridor. The passage you've been following soon arrives at a junction where it is met by two other corridors. Ahead of you, at the end of this widened section of passage, there's a large iron door, partially ajar. The surface 
the surface of the door, which I'll be left bears of dust, dust, dust. It's a dog with an intricate engraving that depicts what you believe to be some sort of ancient burial rite. You're about to step forward and examine the door more closely. When a loud groan fills the passage and a massive slab of iron swings up and the massive slab of iron swings open nearly three more feet. Out of the deep gloom behind the ancient door emerges a large group of mountain goblins. You count thirteen of the foul creatures. In the centre of the small horde stands a particularly fearsome specimen, nearly a foot taller than the goblins that surround him. This gruesome jaw jaw axe wielding creature immediately locks its sinister gaze on you. The large axe wielding goblin snarls, and without hesitation, six of the creatures surrounding him rush forward and attack. Yes, yes, that's what you should do. They attack before I can get into a position where they can only attack one at a time. No. Begin combat. The six, the, ma- the six mountain goblins attacked me savagely, and they did a particularly brutal stroke for 11 damage. They are slain. 13 experience. Three, mountain go- three more mountain goblins rush forward to take the place of the six kin that litter the floor at your feet. I and fight these. They attack me savagely. Not just regular attacks, savage attacks. 9 XP. The three remaining lesser goblins scatter. Fleeing wildly into the darkness, one of the squeaking creatures makes the mistake of running past the large axe-wielding goblin. Hawking goblin snarls viciously and strikes out one of his deadly weapons, neatly removing the head of his cowardly kin. The goblin's headless corpse slumps to the floor of the passage. The large goblin... Each of his snarled, imposing hands, gripping the half of the axe, suddenly steps forward and hurls both of his weapons at you. The two axes spin through the air towards you with deadly accuracy. I've got to do a check. I've got a bonus of 45, 20 from agility, 10 from luck, and 15 from armor combat. I've got to get 15 or more. It's nearly a sure bet, but you never know. Success! 85. In an amazing display of agility, you dodge the hurled axe and promptly assume a defensive stance as you steel yourself to face this wicked creature in a brutal fight to the finish. The goblin snarls as he quickly draws two more axes and prepares to attack. The goblin warrior, adeptly wielding two sharp hand axes, lunges at you, striking out with unnerving accuracy. You manage to fend off the initial assault and swiftly counter with your own attack. Big axe-wielding goblin warrior, begin combat. The one-eyed mountain goblin hacks at you with both axes, but it missed, probably because of the lack of depth, depth perception. Also because I'm really good at dodging, and parrying, and blocking. Uh, and yep, and you've slain your foe. Thirty-eight experience. You step over the bloodied remains of the goblin mine and prepare to face a large shape now emerging from behind the massive door. Stepping into the corridor, its claw fingers clutching a string of animal stoles and bones. It's a fur-clad goblin shaman. The miserable creature grins, exposing a jagged, lagged line of yellow fangs 
and rattles his string of bones. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Alright, I've got random number. I've got bonus of 80. 20 from mind, 20 from body, 20 from spirit, and 20 from aura. I've got to get 100 to succeed. We'll see. Failure. A powerful wave of nausea washes over you. Your vision blurs. For several moments, sharp stabbing pains tear through your mind. Each one lasting longer than the one that preceded it. You collapse to your knees. I lost 15 stamina points. And also a lot of my magic. Weary and, and dazed, but determined not to succumb to the sinister magic of the cruel shaman. You defiantly and painfully regain your feet. Before you can even attempt to reach the shaman, the goblin caster once again rattles his string of animal bones. It's the same check again. I pick now. Success! A, a powerful wave of nausea washes over you and your vision blurs. You manage to stave off the worst effects of the gob of the of the shaman's dark magic. I lost four SP and a couple of points of magic. Wary and dazed, but determined not to succumb to the sinister magic of the cruel shaman, you steady yourself and defiantly assume a combat-ready stance. The goblin shaman, his eyes wide with fear, attempts to once once again rattle his string of animal bones, but in but in his haste. Humbles and drops the cursed item before you can, re you can retrieve his dark medium. You are him, determined not to fall prey to his deadly magic again. You brazenly attack the Mountain Goblin Shaman. Mountain Goblin strikes at you with a bone club and he does it again, but it just went boink. It just, just, just it hit my armor or it missed. Or I hit my shield, or I, or I parried it with a weapon. I mean, not one of those hits did any damage. Or maybe it just bounced off my massive muscles. Because I do have a might of 20. Mighty. Like that. I got 13 XP for that. The goblin, a ghoulish wail, hurled out of the mouth of the dying shaman. The wretched creature calls at your legs as he slumps to the floor of the passage with a final glutteral snarl. He, he collapses face first into a pool of his own blood and expires. You've barely had time to wipe the sweat from your brow when the large iron door suddenly swings open several more feet. Loud hissing echoes off the wall and ceiling of the corridor as two black armoured skeletons step into view from behind the ancient metal slab. The undead warriors hiss wildly as they rapidly close in on you, wielding the same deadly blades they carry to the grave. Hmm. Wonder why he didn't just, you know, use skeletons to do his dirty work. Is it perhaps you really, you can't really give skeletons complex instructions? Because I've not seen skeletons do anything but attack. Yeah, that must be it. You can tell them, go there, attack. But you can't, go, you can't tell them to go there, kidnap kip, kip, these people, tie this work, guard them, make sound guard, do not eat them. Seriously, don't eat the prisoners. Oh, you just ate the prisoners, stupid skeletons. Yeah, that, that must be it. That must be the reason. You can't give complex instructions to... Most forms of undead, anyway. 
Mate, mate, of course. And of course, the undead you could give complex instructions to, they might just disobey. You boldly battle two black armoured skeletons. Begin combat. The hissing skeletons slash at you with their rusty scimitars. Scimitar, that's a fun word to say. They laid a brutal stroke for 10 damage. But I laid a brutaler stroke for 26 damage. They are slain. 14 XP. The two black armour skeletons crumble into a heap of bones at your feet. There is little time to celebrate your hard-fought victory. The heavy iron door at the end of the passage swings open several more feet. And moving into view out of the gloom gathered behind it is a familiar unsettling sight. The necromancer you've come to know as Wedcoat steps into the corridor, steering. Fate has crossed our steps more than once, he says, the striking deep tone of his voice provoking media sense of dead. It is for you, cursed misfortune, for I grow most tired of your untimely intrusions into my affairs. Though you realise your words will likely have no impact on the effect events about to unfold, you decide to, to attempt to garner some answers from the man, Ask him why he has added himself with goblins to acquire human captives. I have dealt with all manner of beasts, he says, the tone of his voice growing deeper and more sinister as he takes a solitary step in your, your direction. Humans, goblins, ogres... The vile snakes and rats. My contempt for each of them is equal, though human, only human souls are of any use. Yours should prove to be most adequate. Honestly, I don't think it's any particular particular thing you get from human skulls. It's just that you're incompetent. You're incompetent, my friend. You're incompetent. That's why. That's why you can't just. Use what use the many zillions of dead things that are just one that you can just find in any hill or any valley or any town. Just because lots of dead things. But no, you're incompetent. You have to use humans. You're so stupid. You're incompetent, you're stupid, and you're also evil. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stop you. Before he could respond to his chilling wards, the massive shape, massive shape looms out the darkness just beyond the edge of the open door. You watch in horror as a towering, three-armed skeleton clatters into the passage and moves swiftly towards you. The fearsome undead menace hisses wildly as it bears down on you, cruelly brandishing the long, rusted swords clutched tightly in its ancient... Fleshless hands, I fight an ancient bone champion. Three-armed skeleton mass slashes at you with a trio of blades. Mm. Wouldn't it be... Wouldn't it just list a bit to one side if it had three arms? Meh, I assume it got used to it. Or maybe it's just so angry it doesn't notice... Alright, uh, yep, trio of blades on the floor as the skeleton falls down. 39 XP. As the three-armed skeleton crashes to the floor of the passage, 
and spring forward and engage the necromancer before he can summon any more of his undead minions. The mage displays surprising agility and strength as he throws you back and draws a bone-handled, long-bladed knife. Without a word, the cruel Macaster lunges at you, branching the knife with a remarkable degree of skill. I now fight the necromancer again. So I guess third time's a charm. The necromancer curses at you as he stabs out at, stabs out with his blown bone-handled knife. But I curse better and also fight better. And he is slain. But he is a necromancer, so you can never tell. 22 XP. The necromancer staggers backwards and sinks to his knees, his eyes roll to the back of his head. Suddenly, he lunges forward and grabs hold of you, and drags himself up until his mouth is almost pressed against your ear. The nightmare begins, he whispers softly, before releasing his grip and slumping to the ground at your feet. He does not move again. An eerie silence suddenly surrounds you in the wake of the necromancer's passing. You cautiously peer out the weighty stone door and are relieved to find the weighty slabs concealed a sizable and thankfully empty alcove. Stacked around the edge of the alcove are a series of wooden crates, many of which contain books and scrolls. A small collection of weapons is part of one corner. But after looking them over and finding none of them to be remarkable, you decide to leave them where they lie. Realising you have likely found the missing cargo from the raided caravan, you resolve to tell early about upon your return to Clarnia. With that in mind, you turn, your ma- turn to make your way out of the ruins. It is up at that precise moment your eyes fall upon a most unwelcome sight. Framed in a half-open door that separates its alcove and rest of the passage is the fleshless Newly risen figure of the necromancer you've come to know as Redcoat. A fanged, stark white skull shits where his bald head previously rested. So I guess he was halfway there at the beginning. Yeah, that's why he's bald. He was practicing for being a skeleton. The long, undead arms protrude from the sleeves of this red. Long, long skeletal arms protrude from the sleeves of his red tunic. The undead necromancer tightly grips the haft of a bladed ebony staff. Repute not seen before seen in his possession. Where did he get that? And hisses viciously as he steps into the alcove. Or almost before you can react, the vicious undead mage shrieks and wildly, wildly and waves his left hand. The gloom lingering the doorway behind him suddenly comes to life as a massive swarm of skeletal wats surge out of the shadows. You fall back and hurriedly assume a defensive stance as you prepare to engage the nightmarish rodent horde. I defiantly battle a skeletal wax swarm. Alright, I fight them. A swarm of fleshless rats tear at my flesh. Okay, is this, is this better or worse? Now, ske- would being torn apart by scales or wats, would that be better or worse to be torn apart by a horde of ordinary wats? Anyway, if, you, if you're listening to this on 
on something that lets you put comments, comment, just comment, say, say, skeletal rats would be worse, fleshy rats would be worse. Just to say it, just, it's just, it's just a fun thing to do. I just want to see, see what, hear what people think about that. I don't know, maybe it'll become a new meme. Unlikely, though. You never know. The skillet, the swarming skeletal wax savagely tear into my flesh. Ow, ow, ow. That hurts, apparently. Okay, 15 damage. Alright, they're nearly down. And finally, 29 XP. You step out the pile of skeletal wax that surround your feet, only to find yourself facing the next of your enemy's salvations. The undead Equimancer waves his left hand, and a sea of writhing skeletal snakes surges out of the shadows behind him, and, swarm, and swiftly swarms over you, their ghastly hissing almost deafening as it echoes off the walls of the narrow passage. I fight a skeletal snake swarm. Ooh, alliteration, isn't that fun? The skeletal snakes strike at me viciously. I keep fighting, I keep fighting. There's a lot of them, it's taking some time. There's just too many snakes! Too many snakes! Ooh, I go into a battle wage, and they are slain. 72 XP. As the last of the, uh, the skeletal snakes is smashed into jagged fragments of bone, the undead necromancer springs forward, brandishing the bladed ebony spaffs clutched tightly in his fleshless fingers. With a vicious hiss, the fearsome skeletal mange launches itself at you in a frenzied assault. You now attack the undead necromancer. Now, hopefully, he'll stay down this time. But once again, necromancer. The undead necromancer swipes at you with his bladed ebony staff. Tines of blue lightning strike you. As your enemy unleashes a deadly energy attack. Or another deadly energy attack. Stop with the deadly energy attacks. Okay? Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Oh, it, 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 it keeps. Keep, keep right. Yeah, he's slain. But will it stick? Honestly, I'm leaning towards no. 135 experience has been earned. Your final blow shatters the skeletal mage's white shoulder and drops the nightmarish creature to his knees. He slumps to the ground. The undead necromancer clutches you with his clawed hands and turns his dreadful narrow gaze upwards to meet you in a cold, defiant stare. Over! Kisses softly before collapsing into a pile of bone on the ground before you. An eerie silence once again surrounds you in the wake of his final passing. Is it final though? Will he come back as a ghost now? Who knows? Who knows? Necromancers are tricksy like that. Let's continue. Lying next to the shattered pile of bones at your feet, that was once the dreaded mage you came to know as Redcoat, is the necromancer's bladed ebony staff. 
weapon appears to be a remarkable one, and you decide to take it with you. Oh, what's its description? Oh, wow. 15 melee rating, 2 stamina points, 2 aura, and 2 might. But it needs 2 hands, which means you lose your shield bonuses, so it's actually not worth equipping. Unless you only have a rubbish shield and a, and a rather lower quality weapon. This is the bladed staff, formerly wielded by Redcoat the Necromancer. You acquired this weapon after defeating his undead form. This weapon is of magical quality. Not far from where the staff lay, you spot a small object lying next to a piece of splintered bone. Close inspection, discover the item is a skull-scaped amulet attached to a thin length of leather. Though your first instinct is picking up, realising this object must have belonged to the necromancer. Makes you wonder if you should. So I can use divination, law or arcania to investigate. I'm going to use law. After a careful examining the amulet, based on what you can see while leaning over it, tell me it would most likely be safe to pick up. Take the amulet. You reach down and retrieve the amulet. And as you draw the curious item up to examine it more closely, your eyes widen as the object swiftly dissolves in your hand. Almost at once, a strange sensation washes over you. 4,096 experience to necromancy. Oh, yeah. The strange sensation fades, leaving you feeling drained and slightly disorientated. Realising that no good can come from being about in, in this ancient Divadi tomb, take a quick final look around before cautiously making your way back along the shadowy passages to the stairs. As you reach the base of the stairs and sprint up the broad steps, thank as you emerge from the rusty crypt into the light of the sun, you step up and out of the opening in the earth. The sound of footballs on the steps causes behind you causes you to distinctly spin around, assuming a defensive stance. Three mountain goblins bound up the steps, spring out of the opening, and without giving you a second look, flee into the forest. The goblin creatures are soon out of sight, hoping that you may be able to move swiftly enough to overtake Uriel and the others on their way back to Colonia. You set off at a good pace, doing your best to follow the trail left behind by the departed humans. Not more than a mile or two beyond the spot where you discovered the charred trunk, charred trunk of the oak, you overtake Yola and the other three captives. They seem glad, and perhaps a bit relieved, to welcome you into their fold. The sorceress is quick to inquire about your descent into, into the tomb. Well, add another impressive victory to your grand list, she said, saying yes. No, I, I didn't mean to sound sarcastic. I certainly do hope I'll have some chance to share in one of your adventures someday. And not much without my magic, mind you. With four reserves, I say so I can hold my own, even with you. Come on then, let's get back to Colinia. Through longer and more arduous than you expected, the return treks for Colonia passes without in incident. And for that, you are thankful. The elder, Luminmore, and several of Korea's citizens are gathered in the centre of the village, and you learn that they are awaiting the arrival of soldiers for the output. 
up close at Jackwood. Gives you some small bit of satisfaction in terminal like that, at least to inform the, the force from the outpost that hope is no longer needed. I really don't believe it, says Luminor, as he and his others begin set about seeing to the needs of the three captives, three of which are citizens of Colinia. You're certainly quite the marvel. Won't ask how you did it. In fact, I'm sure I don't care to know. Very well met indeed. You tell you and know, the captives that the cargo from the wagons was likely in a tomb, sitting in the alcove at the end of the main tomb corridor. You describe the books and scrolls you found in the wooden crates, the sources knots and tells you. It's all part of a delivery she was making to the Grey Circle Guild Hall in Talinus. Rest up here and go back back with some of the others to fetch, she says, looming up and initiating a shoulder cross. I'll say it again, Zoop, but someday I hope to share in one of your little adventures. Farewell, and take care on the road. You bid Ulanor, Lemonor, and the others farewell, before disappearing and heading north out of Colonia. As the village centre disappears behind you, the thundering of hooves reaches your ears. You glance back over your shoulders and see no less than a dozen mounted shoulders, soldiers riding into the village. She pass out of the village and, bro- and join a broad road leading north and west. Your eyes are suddenly drawn to your white wrist. There, freshly emblazoned on your skin, is a fourth tattoo in the likeness of a tall, thin flame. One thousand... 536 experience to general. And that, just got to walk to, just got to travel elsewhere because there is no safe spot in Hawklaw. Because it's such a tiny, tiny village. Now I can save and... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big this summer with great deals, all in the Kroger app. Get tender USDA choice value packs of T-bone steaks for $7.99 a pound with a digital coupon, Limit 5. Then buy one, get one free on select varieties of Entenmann's, Wonder Bread, or Vita Coco water, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.